Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. On this Maundy Thursday, I always like to remind the congregation why we have this title for this day, Maundy Thursday. Uh, It is not, just let me say this clearly, it's not Monday Thursday, because that would be just as confusing. Uh, It's Maundy Thursday, and Maundy is a shortened word of the Latin word mandatum, which means commandment. You can think of the English word mandate, right? I have a mandate for you. It comes from the same word, Maundy Thursday. And this is based in John chapter 13, verse 34, where Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Those were words of Jesus to the disciples on this Thursday night of Holy Week, just after washing the disciples' feet, he issued to them this new command. So Jesus spoke these words, uh, and and these are on Holy Thursday night, on Maundy Thursday night, that he speaks them. Uh, Tonight, however, we are not focusing on this part of the scripture. I just simply want you to be informed, all right? So, There you go. Tonight, instead, uh, I want to focus on uh, the second item for us of this Holy Week, uh, and it is the cup. And so on Palm Sunday, we focused on on an image from that day, and it was the crowd. On Palm Sunday, there was a crowd that gathered around Jerusalem, and we asked the question, what's your place in the crowd? Are you praising Jesus? Are you curious about him, or, or do you despise him like the Pharisees did? Now tonight we focus on the cup, and on this Thursday of Holy Week, the cup shows up in two different places in Luke's gospel. We read uh, all of it tonight, and we're going to look at it again, but the two places are at the institution of the Lord's Supper, where Jesus is celebrating the Passover, and then also the cup of Jesus suffering as he prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. So let's look at these again, uh, just a portion of them. This is Luke 22, verses 17 through 20. Let me read it again. (coughs) Jesus took a cup. When he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink the the, the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. As I told you on Sunday, I tell you again here, what Jesus is doing is he's celebrating the Passover feast with his disciples. The Passover was that event that the, that the people of God celebrated every single spring, a seven-day-long festival, uh, remembering with thanks the event that happened hundreds of years prior when God's people were slaves in Egypt and God sent plagues upon Pharaoh's house to let the people go to freedom. And the final plague that came was the angel of death came at night and uh, took the firstborn of every household except for God's people, who he said, I want you to have this feast in your homes and then take the blood of the lamb and paint your doorposts with it so that when the angel of death comes, it will pass over your homes. And so the people of God, the Israelites, celebrated Passover every Sunday, every single year. So Jesus is doing this with his disciples just as he has every year, except this year things are a bit different. 
as they are celebrating this Passover feast this year, Jesus picks up the cup after supper. And I want to emphasize for you this very last passage. Jesus said, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. He picks up the cup of the Passover, which was part of the Passover meal to have a cup of wine. And he says, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. The new covenant, but what is a covenant? It's one of those words that sometimes we use in the English language. A lot of times it gets tossed around as a church word, but what is a covenant? A covenant is a kind of promise. It's like a contract, but also not like a contract. Here's kind of a Uh, an exact definition of the difference between a contract and a covenant. Here it goes. Contracts are limited by the terms of the exchange of property, such as this is yours and that is mine, while covenants involve an exchange of life. I am yours and you are mine. In terms of motivation, contracts are based on profit and self-interest, while covenants call for self-giving loyalty and sacrificial love. Jesus is not making a contract with us. He is making a covenant. A covenant is a promise that calls, that those last few words, loyalty and sacrificial love. So Jesus says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. So if there's a new covenant, was there an old covenant? I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you. Yes, there was. We could go to a number of places in the Old Testament uh, to understand the significance of what's happening here. Lots of places. But the clearest connection for us this night, especially when Jesus says these words about this is the blood of my covenant, is Exodus chapter 24. Now what has happened here are God's people have been let out of Egypt by letting the angel of death pass over them, and now they're in the wilderness on their way to the promised land. In that time in the wilderness, God gave to them a whole bunch of laws through their leader Moses. Moses at this point now has read all of the laws to the people all these stringent laws, and the people made a solemn promise, and they said, we will keep this covenant. And Moses made a sacrifice at that time, poured out blood. He took half the blood, and he placed it on the altar, and then he did something really wild. He took the other half of the blood of this sacrifice, and this is what he did. Verse 8 of chapter 24 in Exodus, Moses took the blood, and he threw it on the people and he said behold the blood of the covenant that the lord has made with you in accordance with all these words moses covered people in blood how would you have liked to be there how gross it seems right and yet blood was always part of covenant making why Because you sacrificed an animal, and sometimes, even like Abram did this, cut an animal in half, let the blood run together in a trough, and walked through it as if to say, if I break this covenant, if I break this promise, it should be my blood that is poured out like this. And so the people of God have said, we're going to keep the covenant. They don't keep the covenant. Spoiler alert. But after this, after Moses sprinkled the blood of the people, 
really interesting thing happened. Moses and his brother Aaron and Nadab and Abihu, a, a close followers of theirs, and 70 elders went up on Mount Sinai. They entered into the presence of God, and then they ate. They ate in God's presence. There are many connections here to what's happening on this holy Thursday night. See, Jesus holds up that cup and he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. It's him pouring out his blood for us. Jesus is making a promise to us, his blood for ours, his promise to us, his life in exchange for ours, the covenant in my blood. The blood of the covenant, it's the exact same words, as a matter of fact, that Moses says when he sprinkles the people with blood and that Jesus says when he gives this cup, the blood of the covenant, drink of this, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Now, not long after this, Jesus, as was his custom, anytime they went to Jerusalem, went outside of the city up on this little hillside um, where, where there's a place called the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus asked his disciples to stay, stay behind and keep watch and pray, and he went off by himself and he prayed. And while praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, in great distress, Jesus prayed these words, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Now, what cup is he talking about here? Right? He's saying, take this cup from me. It's an image to say that the cup of Jesus' suffering. Uh, frankly, this is another, it's a cup of blood. Right? Jesus is saying, if I don't have to, Father, pour out my blood. If I don't have to go through the suffering that I know is coming, Father, if I don't have to do it, I'm okay with that. Yet not my will, but yours be done, Jesus says. Obviously, Jesus is in great stress, exhibiting the fullness of his humanity here. Great stress, great distress that Luke records this great detail that sweat perspires off of him, coming down in, in drops that look like blood, just thick drops of sweat. Now, some have even commentated that perhaps he was suffering from an actual physical condition called hematidrosis, which happens when the capillaries burst in great stress and the little blood in your skin mixes with your sweat. It is a real condition that perhaps Jesus was suffering from because of his great distress. If Jesus doesn't have to go through this, he, he, he in a way doesn't really want to. Yet, what is his prayer? Not my will, but your will be done. This, just as a bit of an aside, is a great example for the way that we can pray to our Father in heaven. To let our Father know exactly what it is that's on our hearts, on our minds, exactly how we feel about things. In our stress and in our distress to cry out honestly to him, to make our, our needs known to him, our desires known to him, but ultimately to pray, not my will, but yours be done. The cup of Maundy Thursday. The cup of the Lord's Supper, the cup of Jesus' suffering, both instances involve blood. 
blood. I mean, it's, it's gory to think about. Right? It's gory to think about, but sacrifices always are. It's a cup, as Jesus said, in his blood. Blood poured out his blood, poured out his life, poured out in exchange for yours. Because he loves you so much that he gave up his life for you. You know your sin, don't you? You know you don't deserve to be loved, and yet he says, I love you this much, my blood for yours. Jesus died, he shed his blood to forgive you, to forgive you. And so we come here tonight and we gather in this place to eat his body and to drink his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And when we do, we drink the cup of this new covenant. The cup of the new covenant, which is a drinking of Christ's true blood, mysteriously but truly here, because when Jesus says, this is my blood, he means it. And it actually means something for us. Because when we drink the blood of Jesus, his blood enters our blood, and our blood becomes his blood, and his blood becomes our blood and our life becomes his life, and his life is lived in our lives. Our lives are transformed by the eating and drinking of his body and blood for our forgiveness. And when we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. The cup. The cup. I want to end this night with a very, I think, poignant image for us. When I was thinking of the cup as an American living in 21st century, the thing that I thought of immediately was this, a red solo cup, an innocent little red solo cup. Now here, I want to change your perception of this. I'm sure some of you have had a beverage at some sort of gathering from a red solo cup at some time, but I want to change your perception of the red solo cup tonight and let this be an image of what Jesus has done for you. And it's fourfold. Ready? First of all is this. The Lord's Supper is a party. In American culture, most often this little cup is well associated with parties, all right? Albeit sometimes they're maybe raucous parties, and I'm not condoning that. But the Lord's Supper, when we gather together, it is a celebration. It is a foretaste of the eternal feast that has been prepared for us. It is a time to give thanks, just as Jesus and the disciples gave thanks when they were celebrating the Passover. So we celebrate with joy what Jesus has given to us. The Lord's Supper is a party in many ways. The second, it's the color red, the color of blood. The blood of the lamb poured out for us. The blood of the animal sprinkled upon the people. The blood of the lamb painted upon the doorpost. The blood of Jesus Christ poured out for you and for me. The inside is white. White is the color of purity that you and I are made clean and pure by the covering of the blood of the Lamb upon our lives. And so when we drink of this blood, we are made pure. And finally, solo. 
This was a one-man show. Only Jesus was the one who could accomplish this task for us. Nobody else could live an innocent life and die innocently and rise victoriously. Only Jesus could do it. It was a solo act. Jesus was the one who was promised from the beginning to defeat sin, Satan, and death, and he came for you and for me. Now, I know some of you are wondering, tonight, are we having the Lord's Supper with full cups of red solo cups? Is that how they're going to serve this tonight? The answer? No, I'm sorry, it's not. Um, But if you want to put in a petition to the altar guild, uh, that is an option. They're the ones who set up the Lord's Supper for us. All right, not long after Jesus asked for the Father to have this cup pass from him, Jesus returned to his disciples. And the betrayer, Judas, approached Jesus with those whom he had sold Jesus to. And they approached him and they arrested him. And here on out for the next 24 hours, it seems as though things are starting to unravel. Which is quite hard for the disciples to watch because so far in the life and ministry of Jesus, it seems like he's had things under control. Like everything's been subjected to his authority and his power. Right? There have been threats of violence, threats of death upon Jesus, and he's been able to walk away. There have been accusations and questions. There have been wind and waves, demons and death, and Jesus has overcome it all. But right now it seems like everything's being stripped away and unraveling what's going on. But it's all necessary, for Jesus needs to drink this cup of suffering. It cannot pass from him. He is the only one who can accomplish the salvation of us. And by taking on this cup of suffering, he is, again, the perfect sacrificial lamb, so that when, so that when the Father looks at us, he does not see our sin, but he sees the blood of the lamb covering over the doorposts of our lives, and he passes over us, and we are set free. So tonight, when we gather and participate in the Lord's Supper, this is the new covenant in the blood of Jesus Christ. It is his promise to us, and he never breaks his promises. And when we eat his his body and drink his blood, we proclaim his death until he comes again. It's a foretaste of the feast to come. Therefore, it is a celebration tonight. It is a celebration. And it is a celebration because once again, we are forgiven and set free because the blood of the Lamb makes us white with purity. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen.